Who's your favorite superhero and why? Batman, because he's dark and mysterious. <laughs> Are you dark and mysterious? No, but I wish I was like Batman. <laughs> Welcome to Asaduro Green Talks. My name is Mohamed Bedri. Green Talks is an interview series where we sit down with people driven by sustainability, whether that be in the field of construction, agriculture, fashion, or anything in between. These are the stories of the leaders taking responsibility for our common future. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcast. You can also sign up to our newsletter at asadur.com forward slash podcast. Now on to the show. My guest today is Graham Crookshanks. Formerly, he's managing executive of the residential sector at the Green Building Council of South Africa. Informally, on Twitter that is, he's a green building practitioner, architect, cyclist of all varieties, traveler, and a wildlife arts and food lover. Not only an architect, Graham is also a Green Star accredited professional with more than 10 years experience in the design and construction industry, with focus on green building in South Africa, in Singapore, and in the UK. And he now leads the Green Building Council's residential unit and is responsible for the implementation of the EDGE rating system, which I'd like to get into, for homes in South Africa. And before joining the Green Building Council, he developed the Ernst & Young Green Building cap- capabilities in order to serve his clients within the framework of their climate change and sustainability team. I want to start off in the very beginning. Where did you grow up and how did you get into architecture in the first place? I grew up in Johannesburg. I'm one of the few people who's from Johannesburg and was actually born here and grew up here. Um, I've lived in other parts of the world, but in South Africa, I've only ever lived in Joburg. And mm. I think it's because it's where I was born and it's where my roots are. I think that's part of the reason. Interestingly, I never really imagined myself being anything but an architect when I was young. I can recall going into the office of a landscape architect, an architect who shared a space and seeing some of the building models that they had on their desks and some of the drawings they were doing when I couldn't have been more than about 11 or 12 years old and being very, very taken by that and then knowing that that was something that I wanted to do. And I I studied architecture straight off to school, went and did some work, went back and did some more studying of architecture. So it's been something that has almost been a non-choice for me. Mm. And was it the creative aspect that appealed to you or...? It was a mix of creativity and other elements like the impact of buildings on people, mm-hmm. the impact of buildings on the natural environment, and pragmatic things like how do uh, bricks meet windows and, and the, the, the really sort of hands-on construction mm-hmm. elements. Um, so the creative part of architecture is one important part. Um, but the integration of so many different things to make a building, I think, was what actually appealed to me most. Right. The complexity of it. Yeah. yeah. So you've been in the green building industry for, for more than a decade. And w- what is it about green architecture specifically that, that got you attracted to it? And also, what, what would you define as green architecture or sustainable architecture? I know that's a lot of people define that in so many different ways. Absolutely right. Um, So first of all, uh, what got me into it, I've had a lifelong interest in the natural environment. So before I thought about being an architect, I was intrigued by plants and animals. And the relationship between the built and the natural environment, I think, is what drew me to green architecture. So that was, uh, again, a very sort of instinctive thing for me. Just like I was instinctively drawn to architecture, I was instinctively drawn to the relationship between the natural and the built environment. And then what makes a green building is an interesting question because it's a term loosely used. And 
I don't actually have a um, any objection to the loose use of the, of the term because it helps to sensitize people to the existence of the concept of green building. What is important to understand is that green buildings don't look a particular way. They don't have particular technologies attached to them or in them. What they do do is they, they, they integrate a range of different building design and urban integration and technological solutions to produce building which is appropriately aimed at addressing the the needs of and the function of the building, the um, climatic conditions of the area that it's in, and the experience and quality of people in that building. So a green building is one which integrates a holistic range of factors to bring about a building that tries to strike that balance between the natural and the built environment. Mm. One thing I do like to sort of define, if you like, is the difference between a resource-efficient building and a green building. Okay. So a resource-efficient building typically addresses just energy, water, and waste issues related to a building. A green building implies what I was talking about just now with regards to that integrated and holistic approach where something like ecological impact on, on plant and animal life or integration with an urban environment from a transport point of view or air quality, light quality, and acoustic quality inside a space, ergonomics, those elements are part of a green building design and, and implementation process, whereas a resource-efficient building is a building which addresses a more limited and focused range of, of, of issues. I'm happy for them to fall into the green building umbrella. That doesn't bother me too much. But it's a differentiation that I like to make when, when getting into the nuts and bolts. And the reason I like to make that is because um, there's a spectrum of certification systems that GBCSA um, implements through our services. So if you take a regulatory compliant building, and that is your starting point, mm. if you improve a little bit on the performance of a building that is regulatory compliant, you're really in resource efficient building territory. And that's where the edge certification sits. And in some cases, our existing building's performance and EWP, energy water performance rating tools, sit there. If you take a step further down the track of greenness, if you like, you enter the territory of our Green Star rating tool, which is similarly benchmarked to Brianne, which is used in Europe and the UK, or LEED, which is used in North America and other parts of the world, and other rating systems around the world that are, that are quite widely known. Those certification systems are typically aimed at uh, more sophisticated buildings and also typically integrate a lot more of the full range and full spectrum of green building attributes that I mentioned just now. Mm. And then you can take a step beyond that as well, into the territory of net zero buildings and regenerative buildings and a living building challenge type of structure. So that's really only a conversation that I have when people want to unpack the layers of greenness mm. in the building space, if you like. It's not a conversation I have if someone just wants to have a, a, a general idea of green buildings, not too bothered yeah. about lumping them all together in that situation. And you get people in the industry that want you to define it and narrow it down and say, just tell me what a green building is and we want to do this for this development and not this because it's it's quite complicated and it is a lot of factors to, to take in. It's not only the people, it's the ecology besides the building material and the resource efficiency. Did you ever encounter that? It depends on what 
let's just call it the client mm. or the building occupant wants to get out of greening their building. If the owner of the building wants branding value and they want to be able to advertise the fact that they're green, then they're probably not going to want to necessarily go into the complicated process of an integrated design approach and implementation and so on. Having said that, even when people do approach with a fairly limited view of what um, they want to get out of a green building, we always make an effort to help uh, interested parties understand the value that lies beyond um, brand value or return on investment or environmental impact, for example, because that's the only interest area of some people. So our role actually is to advocate for green buildings rather than to certify green buildings. Okay. So certification is a big part of what we do, make no mistake. So is education and training in the in the uh, built environments, in the property and construction space. But driving the green building movement is our primary objective. So we do have people who come to Green Building Council with a very limited outcome in mind when they talk about green buildings. But we very seldom leave that stone unturned. Right. Yeah. And, and so going into the Green Building Council, we've touched on the ratings. I want to hear more about what you do in terms of advocating for the green building in general. What, what other areas or what other activities are you, are you looking into? So primarily we see that happening in, in, in the way that we communicate to our market and to our stakeholders. Mm. And then, once we have communicated with them, to engage them in either learning more about green buildings or implementing green building programs. So, advocating for green buildings nearly always involves relationship building. And that can be on a commercial basis with commercial property developers, or it can be on a knowledge sharing basis, which is something that we're doing a lot of in the public sector at the moment with, with national, provincial, local government, with NGOs, with, shall I say, organizations that have mandates to work in the built environment. So we, we see advocacy happening through communicating appropriately to our stakeholders and to our market, and then to maintaining a relationship with those stakeholders and joining them on a journey to a level of sustainability that they and us can agree on. Mm. And, and moving on to your specific role within the Green Building Council, which is within the residential sector. So how big a role does the residential sector play in, in developing a sustainable built environment? So it's an interesting space because there's been a lot of innovation in the residential sector with regards to green buildings. Quite often from affluent individuals mm-hmm. who have chosen to go all out and make an investment in a home that appeals to their value system. On the opposite spectrum, in the affordable space, there's been quite a lot of innovation and quite a lot of research and development work that's gone into sustainable building methods and uh, technologies and, in some cases, urban design strategies to support affordable housing in a, in a way that is more sustainable than what has been done in the past. So there's, there's been a lot of activity around the residential sector and greening of it over the last, I would say, 10 years. But there hasn't been a lot of formalizing of that. And what I mean is there hasn't been a, a lot of certification to a green standard of residential buildings compared with the commercial property sector where um, we've got to the point now where a lot of multinational corporations simply as a prerequisite require green building certification like Green Star on their headquarters, their corporate buildings and so on. 
In the residential sector, that formalizing element has not been addressed as much. Could you give a brief overview for those who aren't familiar with the EDGE security system, what that is? Sure. So EDGE is actually an acronym. Mm -hmm. It stands in Excellence in Design for Greater Efficiencies. And the reason the EDGE education system was developed and implemented by IFC was because IFC, as a development of the World Bank, recognized that if they were going to lend into sustainable development and into green building projects in emerging markets, which is one of their mandates, that they needed to have a reliable benchmark certification system that could demonstrate the green credentials of the projects that they were going to invest into. So IFC essentially incubated the development of the EDGE certification system. And once that was done, looked globally for partners to help with the implementation of that certification system. So Green Building Council is a partner, a local partner to the IFC on the implementation of the EDGE certification system. Okay. EDGE certification system is one of the rating tools that is focused more on resource efficiency than total green building um, design and evaluates three criteria within a building's design and construction. Those criteria are the energy performance of the, of the building during its operational phase, the water consumption of the building during its operational phase, and the embodied energy of the materials used in the construction. And so given that's something that's partly developed by the IFC and the World Bank, it's, it sounds like it's not something that a single household would use. Um, so what kind of scale is, is the edge of go for in the residential sector? You're absolutely right. Interestingly, a lot of people see the exact opposite view when they ask me about that and immediately ask how their home can be edge certified. Right. We would very much like to get to that, but you're absolutely right in saying that it's a scale-driven rating tool model. Initially, we are targeting new build projects, which are multi-units, in other words, three units or more. And we're only targeting the residential sector in South Africa with the edge rating tool because our uh, Green Star rating tool addresses the other sectors of the property market and also because we want to establish tool first before we expand into other areas. So the volumes and scale that we're looking at at the moment, the majority of projects registered for edge certification through Green Building Council are of 100 homes or more. 100 homes up to the largest being about 1,200 homes. And so we, we do favor larger projects. Hmm. The, the South African Green Building Council has Green Star certified uh, projects in other African countries. Is that something you're looking to do with the Edge as well? Or is the focus simply on South Africa for now? We do have um, partnerships with a number of other Green Building Councils who are implementing Green Star. And that's a program that we're really excited about because it serves the Green Building Council's mandate to advocate for Green Buildings. Having said that, the IFC has local partners specific to countries that, that are implementing EDGE, and we're, we're specifically implementing EDGE in South Africa. Mm. There are global partners to IFC who are able to implement the EDGE rating system in many countries, and we feel that, that our experience of working with other African countries stands us in good stead to grow our role on the African continent with regards to EDGE certification. And we touched on affordable housing and looking forward, I mean, tackling affordable housing is also about tackling the social and economic sustainability as well. And it's easy to be in a situation where you're designing a solution for a problem that you might not be very familiar with. And I mean, there's you mentioned the living building challenge, which has pedals such as equity and health and happiness. 
is the councils somehow looking into moving away from just the resource efficiency part of residential sector or maybe having an add-on to the edge system or somehow incorporating these other factors as well? It's important for me to point out that we do actually have a green star rating tool for multi-unit residential Mm. projects. We have not had a lot of uptake on that, but there is a project certified with that rating system in Kenya at design stage, and also there are some projects in South Africa. So those, those buildings are certified using a rating tool which does address health and wellness and the full spectrum of um, indoor environmental quality issues in the projects that, that they've been certif- where they've been certified mm-hmm. to the Green Star standard. One of the reasons we have not pushed the inclusion of that and then why IFC didn't as, as well in the edge rating tool is because we wanted to keep it simple and the entry point to green building design for many building owners and project developers mm-hmm. is resources. This is the low-hanging fruit. That's right. Yeah. And that's, there's no reason not to address it. The, the impact that health and wellness in buildings can have on people who are in those buildings is enormous and should not be underestimated. But I think it's a question of that sustainability spectrum that I spoke about earlier, where just beyond regulatory compliance, you, you've got resource efficiency, and then there's a huge range of things you can do beyond that. Green Building Council would, would like to be able to make health and wellness an integral part of everything we do. And when we talk about green buildings, we, we always include that as an important element. But um, we recognize the limitations of the market at its stage of development and maturity and would like to service those as they stand and then join the players in that market on a uh, journey to deeper levels of greenness. Right. So this is sort of the first step into the movement and then Correct. building upon that. Correct. And how, do you, how has your background as an architect, how do you feel, affected your work now in the council? Because you've had a lot of different roles. You've worked with affordable housing before. How has this played into your role now? So what I think has been very valuable for me is that I understand a design and construction process having been a part of it. And I can reflect on that when I'm evaluating um, building certification systems. And I recognize um, as, as having been a practicing architect that it's an extraordinarily rewarding process to see a building um, come to life if you've been involved in the original conceptualization of it. And I have an appreciation for that. So my skill set includes um, understanding the design and construction process, and therefore I'm able to see, see our certification systems in that, in that context. On the flip side, I'm sometimes inclined to be maybe distracted by the, the design elements of the project um, and to get a little bit involved in that when it's not really a part of my current <laughs> role. So, so extra curricular. Yeah, I suppose you could say <laughs> that. On balance, it's a really helpful skill set to have. <laughs> and it's not often that it actually inhibits what I'm doing. Yeah. But I do find myself being, hmm, I wonder if I would have done that that way. Or <laughs> I wonder if they considered something else for, for, for that part of the building. And do you still design? I do a bit. Um, so my own home is a bit of a work in progress. Yeah. And there may be a day when I go back to that. I'm not sure. I'm really happy with the work that I'm doing at the moment and with the transition that I made from designing buildings into a more a consulting space, management consulting, and now linking to green buildings specifically and uh, the role that building council plays on leading the market transformation mm-hmm. and the, um, green building movement. So 
I think my experience as an architect has stood me in good stead, and it will always be a part of me in the way that I evaluate my work and the built environment. So we're coming up on time. I just want to finish off with three questions. The first is, if there's one behavior change you would like to see in individuals or companies in the field, what would that be and why? I would like to see building operations considered at design stage and also implementation stage. Um, so I think that the way we use buildings is not doing justice to the way that they're designed in many cases. And I think that we also use buildings poorly with regards to the way that we manage their resource consumption, utilize the spaces in the buildings, and optimize their potential. So for me, what I think, what I see happening a lot is that the way a building is going to be actually used is often decided by people who are never going to use it. And so I think that that disconnect is problematic. And then when the people who actually use it take ownership of the building, they use it in a way that is not particularly optimal because they weren't involved in that initial process and also because I don't think they necessarily have the skill sets to do that optimization. Mm. And so Asaduru Green Talks is all about telling the stories of people who are making a significant contribution to our future. Who would you like to see interviewed in Asaduru Green Talks? Who's, whose story would you like to lift up? I think it would be good to interview uh, Van van Anwerpen at Growth Point. We just interviewed him this morning. Okay. <laughs> I'm very pleased to hear that. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting to interview Ilsa Blank at Redefine. I think it would be interesting to interview Eric Noir, who was one of the founding board members of the Green Building Council and was involved in a number of some of the most groundbreaking Green Building projects in South Africa. So the final question, and this doesn't have to be anything within your industry, but if you could have your 15 minutes of fame and get a message out to everyone in the world, what would that message be? I wish you'd given me that question beforehand so I could have it <laughs> So I think my message to a large community of people is to start thinking about ways of doing things that are different from business as usual. I think that we're a little bit stuck as as a group of people living on a planet that is that is taking a lot of strain under the demands that we currently place on it. But we still carry on chipping away with business as usual. And it's time for a step change. And I think that that can happen on a very personal and individual level. So if that step change means not driving your car to work, or if that step change means not eating so much, so many animal products, or if that step change means integrating a recycling policy at your work or your home or your school, then so be it. But business as usual just ain't going to cut it anymore. Mm. So that would be my message. And it feels a big part of business as usual is that it's hard to get out of because that's how everything is framed. We're always stuck into this one frame that's just been passed on, on and on. Um, do you have any suggestions of how we can get out of that frame or create a new frame um, thinking? I think it's, a lot of it has to do with communication. So mm -hmm. I listened to a very brief interview with Steve Jobs last night, and um, he pointed out that there are no committees. Well, when he was in charge of, of Apple, there were no committees. Not one. 
Mm. In an organization that size, that is remarkable. Mm. So I think if we change the way we communicate, it brings about a new frame. So the way we communicate at the moment is through a chain of command, usually, and through policy and legislation, usually. And we're seeing that traditional communication being disrupted through social media and uh, young people taking on roles that were not traditionally reserved for, for young or sorry, I should say, young people taking on roles that are traditionally reserved for older people. So I think if we communicate differently about the way that we're going to build the building and we integrate the people who are going to be involved in operating the building earlier on in a non-committee environment, we'll change the frame. And that, I think, is a good point to end. Cool. Thank you very much. So it's been a pleasure for me too, Mom, but yeah. I didn't expect quite so... Um, such an intense experience. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we, I thought I was going to tell you how many buildings we'd certified. <laughs> we're a bit over time, so I apologize for That's that. That's okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Asadru Green Talks. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and consider giving it a five-star review. I would love your feedback, so let me know your thoughts on this show and who you would like to hear next at Asadru Green Talks. Until next time.